Anything Combat with Johnny K. But it's Anything Combat, though. Welcome back, combatants, to the Anything Combat show, where we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by the first guest to come back on the podcast. Let's go. He's an absolute legend. UFC vet, Bellator vet, FAC lightweight champion, Cage Times champion, and he just came off an impressive win over Robert Wustig. He's shameless. He's an alien. Please welcome <laughs> Don Shainus. How are you, Don? What's up, homie? How are we doing? I'm good. I'm good. New haircut. Yeah, yeah. I got a, got a, had to get a little bit of a fade uh, for my fight last week, so got to look at the fight <laughs> good, right? How did that uh, win feel, finally getting in the win column? Um, it felt good to win again. Um, it's been a minute. I think it, it's been almost a year since I won, but, um, I did exactly what I should have done. You know, I got in there, got my hand raised, got out, not injured. So looking to run it back as quickly as I can, you know, uh, I think right now we're looking at like September, October in that range and, uh, just keep this fucking ball rolling. I'm in shape. I'm going to stay in shape and, uh, Let's see. Let's see what's next. Maybe Combat FC, their belts on the line. Maybe CES, their belts on the line. Maybe Cage Titans. Maybe I'll even fucking go back to the Midwest, fight for FAC again. So, you don't know, they had fights last night. I had a couple homies fights. So, I'd love to go back out there and, and uh, say what's up. Did Woostig surprise you? We always talk about MMA records and stuff. Yeah. Like, um, sometimes it's undefeated guys and like Otman Azaita, he beat up Cairns, his whole record. So when he, mm-hmm. when he started actually fighting good fighters, he lost two in a row in the UFC now, right? Up against people that are lower ranked. Now you fought a guy who had, in my opinion, like, like, let's be blunt, kind of a shit record, but here's the thing. That's not how fighting works though. That's not how fighting mm-hmm. works. When you have a record of like 30 and like 17, 18, you had Jorge with a record like that fighting for the belt. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't tell the skill level. So did you underestimate him because of his record? Or how did you feel about that? So, so my initial thoughts were like, all right, let, let's not look at his record. Let, let's look at how many fights he has, how much fight time, who he's competed against and how did those fights go. And uh, the, the one thing that I knew was going to be, he was going to be far, far tougher than I expected. Um, like, like, I expected him to be tough. He was super fucking tough. Um, so I, I knew he was going to be pretty tough. I knew he wasn't going to quit or can go away. Uh, do I think that there were some things that I could have done to to put him away? Yeah, but it, it's all, you know, hindsight. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, I could have forced some more things in the first round. Um, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. He actually uh, clipped me with a knee that, like, put me to my knees, and I had to wrestle up from there. Got in a dominant position for a second and a second, but, like, I go right back to work on the third, and uh, I got the unanimous decision. In my mind, it was pretty clear cut who won, so, you know, I just want to take this momentum and, and move forward with it. But that being said, like, he was such a nice guy, and, and, and it's funny because, you know, you say, like, he has a shit record, and I, I don't think so at all. He doesn't have the best record, no, but, like, I think in a couple fights, he has the potential to, you know, especially with his new team, to, to get back up to 500 and, and to not only get up to 500, but, like, fight some, some top-level guys in the region. 
congratulations on the win, Thank though. I'm not, I'm not disca- discounting your win. I'm actually making it more evident that somebody with a not as impressive visually record in MMA just goes to show that they're still doing martial arts mm-hmm. for that length of time. So um, I want to ask you about the fight preparation. How do you feel yep. going into fight and what do you think about the cage titans event yeah so so i love cage titans you know i fought there i think probably close to 15 times and uh the atmosphere that you're able to create in that that place because it's like a little mini arena it's super cool and it's pretty unique it's not like one of these like local promotions where you know you're just fighting in like a hall and it's flat and then they're seating no it's kind of like a stadium with different tiers and whatnot so the energy in there is fucking electric Kate Cairns puts on a pretty good show um it was streamed on spectation sports i don't know if you were able to catch it on spectation but like one thing that you know they keep improving but like for me for this fight when i try to rewatch it on online like the the quality didn't come out as good so I don't know what's going on with that or, or where the disconnect was there, but um, as far as a whole, K-Titans has been such an unbelievable uh, base for me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know I could always come home and get a fight. Now, this fight this fight camp was a little bit, I don't want to say rushed, but, like, it, I had three weeks to prepare, you know? It took me a week to, like, get in the right mental headspace. Then it's like, all right, time to to focus for a week and then it's a week of wake up prep so i didn't i didn't really have like a a camp for this um like don't get me wrong i was in great shape but uh there were definitely some things that i could have hyper focused on a little bit more uh but just as far as getting back in there shaking the rust off being healthy having fun it, it was fucking awesome what are the guys at citadel mma like right now they were happy with your performance but How's the team tracking, and who are you seeing right now that you're very impressed with there? Well, well, me, me and my head coach, um, Eric, he, uh, we actually had, like, a sit-down conversation, and, like, initially after the fight, I was, like, a little bit disappointed in my performance, and uh, he's like, look, th- this is a great time to reassess. This is what we should hyper-focus on in between fights, and then when you have another fight, we're going to hyper-focus on, on what's next. So... It, it it was really good to hyper-focus and, and dive down that rabbit hole and expose, I don't want to say holes in my game, but room for improvement. What's the difference between regional MMA and international MMA? You've fought in the UFC and you've also yeah. fought in Cage Titans. Now, you spoke about, I, I watched some of the fights on Twitter. Some person uploaded a couple things on Twitter. So I was watching clips and, dude, the atmosphere in that, uh, you're in Boston, right? Um, my last fight uh, was in Plymouth, Massachusetts, which is about like forty-five minutes away from Boston. Okay, okay, yeah. See, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know where the U.S. is located. I saw Massachusetts. I just thought yep. it was Boston. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, dude. Arena, people, were, people were losing it, dude. People were losing it. Do you think the fans are better in regional or international? Well, it depends, right? Like the fans are the best when they're your boys. Right. So like my my last fight in the UFC, everyone fucking loved Jack. He was an Aussie fighting in Australia. It was fucking electric. Every everyone and their mother went out to the fights. Everyone was drunk at 8 a.m. Like the place was electric. Now, you know, were they rooting for me? Fuck no. You know, I I know that I was a bad guy, but it's cool. Um, But like that being said, you know, it doesn't matter whether they're cheering for you or booing for you. 
all that matters is there's energy present, you know? And, you know, that was the biggest amount of people that I've ever fought in front of. I think there was 15,000 people in attendance at the Rack Arena. But, like, in, in this venue, it's it's a little bit different, too, because there's only 2,000 people. But it's significantly smaller. So you still get that same type of feel and that electricity. Granted, I understand, like, th there's a big difference in, in volume. But uh, it, it's still fun to go out there, even regionally, and, and put on a show. How did it feel to get the love from the people? Um, a little bit bittersweet, you know, it's like, I never wanted to fight back in Plymouth again. You know, I, I, I wanted to make a very long career in the UFC, but that, that's just not what, what, how the cards unfolded. So, you know, I'm going to do everything in my best power to fucking get back there. And, uh, it's not cool. Just get into the UFC. You, you want to win in the fucking UFC. So, so that's my goal. Dude, you look chunky in the fight. You look swole. So you were at that catch weight of 150. Yeah. How do you feel about that weight class in general? Like, I love asking fighters about uh, weird weight classes, 165, 140, 150. But how do you feel at 150? Um, I, I felt like it was a pretty easy weight cut. Uh, I only had, a uh, like, a week to to diet and prepare. Like, like, I knew about the fight, you know, a couple weeks out, but... I really just hyper focused for a week, so it's like there's a big difference when you see me competing. Uh, we'll compare me competing at 145 for that Jack Jenkins fight, where I had six to eight weeks of like proper diet, proper nutrition, proper everything. Where I was, I wasn't thrown into this fight fucking last second, but it was definitely something like, oh shit, like I gotta change my eating habits very quickly. <laughs> The last time you were on the show. Yeah, I was fucking up... lean in Australia. I was very lean. And I felt great, too. <laughs> the last time you were on the show, we brought up a fellow Australian, Volkanovski. So yep. you and me both agreed that he was going to devastate Yair Rodriguez. But, but I thought Yair was at least going to catch him with a couple things and kind of, you know, cause a couple cuts. That was one of the best performances of his entire career. What do you think about that domination? Um, it looked like Volk was in Yair's head. Why would mm -hmm. you say that? Because, like, from what I saw, Yair was, like, trying to get the, the ball rolling, right? Trying trying to, to go first, trying to trying to do everything. And it didn't matter what Yair did. Balk was just so dialed in. And it, it, it was almost like you could see Yair thinking, right? Where Volk wasn't thinking. He was just reacting. Acting and reacting. Where Yair was thinking and hesitating a little bit. Is, is that what I you see. picked up from the fight? So, like, that's what I saw from the fight. Like, like to me, I saw Volkanovski just going. And I saw Yair, like, not so much on the back foot, but, but more like the, there's um, a friction point or a delay or, or like, w when you're thinking in a fight, right, the le perfect term for it, it's a friction point, right? Let's say you want a strike to grapple, right? That's a friction point. How fast can you blend those friction points? And, and in the past, what we've seen is just Yair just fucking going apeshit and, um, there's no friction point there. But in this fight, I saw a few friction points, you know, in exchanges. 
I do have to say, when I was watching some MMA content on some, like, person breaking down fights and just analysis in general, he brought up inflicting your will. Now, mm-hmm. in boxing, you can wait for someone the whole fight and counter them. In Muay Thai, you can wait for someone and try and counter them. In MMA, I think it's the dumbest thing to wait for someone. If you wait oh, for no. someone in MMA, you're fucked, dude. So, Yair, when Josh Emmett was not inflicting his will and kind of dancing around, what did Yair do? He saw, okay, all right, a little bit of a moving target, kind of stationary. I'm just going to kick the shit out of him, right? Mm-hmm. Hulk fucking ran around the octagon, back, forth, back, forth, patterns, fainting, uh, you know, shot a takedown. Volk inflicted, Volk might be one of the best fighters to inflict his will on any other opponent that he's fighting. It doesn't matter a weight class if he's at 70 against fucking Makachev or if he's at 66 kilo, sorry, um, I'm doing kilograms, 145 yeah. or 155. It doesn't matter where he's at. He inflicts his will so well. And dude, Yaya didn't throw what I thought he was going to throw. When he did, when he got one opportunity and his brain registered and he did, dude, he landed well on on Volk. Clipped him with a good punch, hit hit him with a good uh, question mark kick. I just feel like Volk inflicted his will on him so perfectly with the threat of the takedown striking, because as we know, striking and threat of the takedown strike, completely different. When he was doing the threat of the takedown striking and make making Yair second guess, dude, he put him on the ground, pummeled the shit out of him, and then when he started doing the striking sequences, I think Yair was so caught up with the wrestling component of the fight and the threat of the takedown that when Volk did a faint pretended to shoot and hit him with that beautiful hook. Dude, he knocked out one of the best strikers we have in the UFC. That was insane, dude. Well, if you look at Yair's opponents too, like in the past, like you don't see too many of them switching stances. Obviously, Max switches stances, but like that whole fight, Volkanovski is like starting off orthodox, switching to southpaw, staying in southpaw, switching to orthodox, back and forth, back and forth, you know? I I, I I really think that he was in Yair's head. So when you say that, I just don't understand. Like most people say, oh, you're in your head when um, when you like talk shit to someone. Like what are you saying? Are you saying that because of he, the fight in general, he just put him in a position where he wasn't confident? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, exactly. Like, like Yair was thinking. He, he, he wasn't. I don't want to say he wasn't present. Obviously, he was fucking present. He was in a fist fight, but it the the message relay, right? Like w- w- what I saw, what I saw was Volkanovski was going, and Yair was thinking about what Volk was doing rather than focusing on what he was going to do. And, and Yair had a few moments in there, but but by no means was Volk in any threat of of getting KO'd or losing, like, Volk completely dominated. And, and I, I think it, it's those fractions of a second where it's like, uh, think versus uh, go, you know? I see exactly what you mean. I agree with you. I want to ask you about you bouncing off the cage. I saw you bouncing off the cage before you got in uh, the fight. I want to ask you, how often do you do this and why do you do it? I don't know. I was just fucking around. I saw Nick... Uh, the uh, cameraman for cage signs on. 
He's like, go do something. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to do. So I was just running around like an idiot, jumping off the cage and bouncing off it. And they actually just got the cage uh, refinished. So before that, that specific cage, um, there were big bends in the cage. Like the, the cage kind of bowed out a little bit and they just got it redone. So the cage was like brand new and fresh. And I just wanted to fuck, a, fuck around a little bit. Why uh, is it so hard to find cages? Like, people are saying that they just don't have a cage. Do you know anything about that? Uh, they're expensive. Expensive. A couple grand for, let's say, like, five, six grand for a cage. Like, a shitty USD? one, a small one. Huh? USD? Yeah. Dude, that's like 10 grand Australian. That's a lot of fucking money. Yeah, they're, they're fucking expensive. That's why people don't have cages. <laughs> Last time you were on the show, I brought up that Charles Oliveira was my favorite fighter, right? Okay. Stick to it. It's him and Benson Henderson, right? It's just, they're my guys. So, Charles... His last performance against uh, Makachev was pretty shit. His performance against Dariush, that was mm. feral. I want to ask you, Makachev, Olives, 2 October, Abu Dhabi, what is happening in that fight? I don't see him beating uh, Islam. I'm sorry. I know, I'm breaking your heart, dude. I'm breaking your fucking heart. I'm sorry. I just don't see it happening. The, the history Why? has a way of repeating itself, no? And what we saw was Islam completely dominate um, Charles. And I think that's going to happen again. If it happened once, it can happen twice. Now, now Charles needs to, if like, if he wants things to change, he needs to go to this fight with a completely different approach. But, but uh, I think Islam's going to do exactly what he did the first time. I swear to God, if he gets in there, hits him with an orthodox power two that he hit Gaethje with, Islam yeah. rocked on NXT, screaming, oh my God, he's rocked, he's rocked. Islam shoots in a takedown. Charles, get a guillotine choke, and everyone's put fucking uh, my guy Makachev in guillotines, and no one's gone there. If, if Olives rocks him and guillotines him, my life will be complete. I don't need to watch the sport anymore. That will be the single best moment in combat sport history. You're just going to retire from watching MMA forever just because fucking one theoretical outcome of a fight, if that actually happens, like, you might as well just fucking bet on it, to be honest with you. Charles by submission after rocking him in the second round. Uh, I think on a real note, on a real note, it's a five-round fight. Dude, they don't go the distance. Makachev can go the distance. Olives can't, right? Olives puts a pace on people where he just melts them. I think that if he... Dude, I'm, I'm telling you, I've rewatched that fight. I've rewatched that fight. And Olives looks completely different than he did in um, Chandler, Dustin, Justin, and Dariush. When he fought Kevin Lee... He didn't, like, give a fuck. Like, the way he was fighting was kind of like, oh, I'm here with Kevin Lee. Like, I don't really respect this opponent. Same with Tony. He was like, oh, I don't really respect him. You know, I'm not going to finish him. Like, not a level of, oh, I don't like them. He likes him as a person because he's a great dude. I'm saying that he doesn't really respect his their skills compared to him. So when he got in there with Chandler, he was like, fuck, this dude hits like a brick and can wrestle. Let me, let me put this guy away. I need to put him away quick, right? Um... 
So the more respect he has for them, the better he performs. I do think that there was a level of, oh, I'm just going to run through Makachev, like I'm just going to destroy him, right? Now, he doesn't have that. He's of the belief that Makachev is up here, and he's like, okay, I'm going to have to overperform. So there's one, right? What? I see, I see you wanting to respond. Go on. No, I, I, I want to hear the, the rest of your thought. So then... With the wrestling department, if you rewatch the first fight and Olives allows Makachev to grapple with him and actually initiates the grappling exchanges, right? It was not the grappling exchanges that beat Oliveira. There was control time, but Makachev can't ground and pound like Khabib, dude. He he kind of just sits no, on No, I think he's going to arm triangle again. He's going to get arm triangle. <laughs> We saw it. We saw it with uh, Volk and dude. There's so much tape on Makachev now. Like, if Makachev wins, I'm gonna be like, okay, Makachev just happens to be one of the best fighters to ever live on this planet, right? He will get on the Tapology top uh, fifty list if if he beats uh, Charles because of his resume. So with the grappling. Charles initiated a lot of the grappling uh, exchanges. I don't think he's going to be scared. I think his striking's a little bit better. And I think the way he can beat Makachev is by, I don't think like going first is the smartest thing to do. I think he might need to pick shots and just stand right in front of, and right in front of Makachev. And then when he clips him, when he clips him once, that's when he blitzes because in the times that he blitzed in the first fight where Makachev was a little bit like Makachev was there and he saw that his positioning was off so he was like okay I need to run away right Olives blitzed him and hit him with a couple hooks as he was running so in that sequence Olives has the advantage right there's not that many places where people have an advantage over Makachev and and that that part where where you get him to kind of panic and move away is a really good spot to be in, as well as what Volk did to him, which is I think you might need to switch stances every so often and kind of kind of you know beat up the legs. I'll be completely honest with you. I completely disagree. I only see there's being one clear route for Charles Oliveira to win, and that's by knocking him the fuck out. I think he's a harder hitter. I think he needs to land first and land last, and and not get taken down in between. So I think that he needs to land first, land hard, and really hurt uh, Islam and put a pace on that, that striking without being engaged with the, the takedown. That's the only way I see uh, Charles winning. And I know that's your boy. And I know that's your boy. And uh, it, it just, that's what, in my mind, like if I was to game plan for Charles, that's 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 what the game plan would be. By patience, I kind of mean like, you know, instead of not waiting for him, I'm thinking like intercepting him with a fucking crazy shot because I know that he just marches down these dudes, but a champion reveals his level of greatness when he gets up against a different type of opponent. You know what I mean? You had GSP go up against someone like Carlos Condit, where he had to switch up immediately. He had someone like Matt Hughes, completely different style. These are all different styles. If Charles can prove that he can beat Makachev with knocking him out in the first or second, um, my question for you is, do you consider him the best lightweight to ever live if he does that? No, no. <laughs> do you think he ties with Khabib? 
No. Do you think he's still second under Khabib? Probably. I'll tell you what, he's the best in the world right now. What the fuck, dude? They're both four. He's going to be the first lightweight champion to ever re-win the UFC belt. There's not a single lightweight champion. He shouldn't have lost him in the first place. Yeah, true. (laughs) We're we're going to find out what happens, but, like, he shouldn't have lost it in the first place. It's like... I know Charles is your boy, dude, and that's cool. That's cool. We're we're gonna find out what happens. We're just talking fucking we're just bullshitting right now. You know what I mean? Like we have no fucking idea what's gonna happen. Anything can fucking happen. If Makachev beats Olives and then mm-hmm. beats either the BMF that's happening um in if right now it's nine o'clock, it's happening for me at two PM. If he beats one of the BMFs, is he better than Khabib? Does he have a better legacy than Khabib? I mean, they're different, right? Like, like why why are we comparing Khabib? Khabib's retired, right? We're we're talking about like greatest of all time. Khabib, Khabib's up there. I'm talking about in the division. I'm not comparing them because they know each other. I'm comparing their accomplishments. In my opinion, I think Makachev would have done a had a fucking better career than Khabib. I would say Khabib's better, but I would say that Makachev had a more impressive reign because he stayed around and actually defended the fucking belt. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Khabib don't give a fuck. They, these boys don't give a fuck. Khabib <laughs> only wanted to win. Makachev only wants to win. They don't give a fuck about money. They're going to go hang out in fucking Dagestan... And do whatever they fucking do. They're going to go play wrestling, basketball, and shit. Like, they don't give a fuck about anything. <laughs> like, th- that's the thing. It's like, they got nothing to lose because they don't give a fuck. You know? They don't care. Like, they just want to be champion. I get that. Wrestling, basketball. I saw that sport. That is dog yeah. shit. What do you think of that? <laughs> not, not my sport. I, I suck at fucking basketball. I can't get a ball in a hoop. I'm five six. Like, I'm not designed to put balls in hoop. So, um, Makachev versus Leon Edwards might be the fight to make if he if he destroys the next couple people at lightweight, right? Which looks pretty plausible. So, what do you think about that matchup with uh, Makachev being taking like a year off and really getting huge at welterweight? How do you feel about that match? Well, there's there's a lot of options here, right? Like, we're, we're just talking about fucking Makachev and Charles. But, uh, like, think about, all right, that kind of eliminates Volk winning the 55 belt, unless they vacate the 55 belt. So Islam could go fight fucking Leon for the belt. That's if Leon gets by Colby. So there's so many factors that are going on, because you're telling me that fucking Dustin and Justin do- and Keiichi and McGregor don't want to fight for that 55 belt considering, like, that's all left up in the air. So I don't think Islam can leave fucking layway because that, that that eliminates so many different options. Now, yeah, I understand the, the notoriety of being the first 55-70 champ, but but the, the thing with that is, like, there, there's way bigger fights in Islam-Leon. Way bigger fights. Yeah, totally agree. I want that vault. And, and, and before before I hear your thought, I need to say this is like when when you think about fights, right? 
Islam's a champion, but he's fighting superstars. He's fighting Poirier, way bigger than Islam. He's fighting Gaethje, way bigger than Islam. The, he's fighting Chandler, way bigger than Islam. Like, Islam is the A-side guy winning fights, but he's the B-side guy when it comes to marketing. Why would they want to double champ him? You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I totally agree. Like, on a real note, he's actually got a good following, though. Like, Russians sell for some reason. Pyotr Yan was there, and he was doing big numbers. They were putting him on big cards for no reason, dude. Pyotr Yan has, like, 5 mil on Instagram. Who the fuck is Pyotr Yan? You know what I mean? He rocked up, and then he left immediately. You know what I mean? He might come back, but, you know, he left. Who the fuck is he? Dude, he was a world champion. What do you... You can't say who the fuck was he. He was... At one point in time, he was a world fucking champion. Like, like you're just talking about these guys, like, their their careers are fucking irrelevant. That guy's a world champion fighter. <laughs> you know what listen, I mean? It's like... Listen, listen. He was very popular when he was on just a stupid win streak in the UFC. He didn't even have a belt yet. He took one selfie with Khabib, and he got like 5 million followers. Dude, he's very shit, popular. Shit, I just, just took a selfie with Khabib. Motherfucker. <laughs> you should post that shit. You should post that shit. I don't have one. I've never met Khabib. <laughs> so, so, the reason I bring that up is because Russians sell. Like, Russians get mm. behind Russians. I'm not saying Pyotr Yan's a nobody. I know who he is. He's popular. I'm saying that Makachev is now popular for no reason just because their population's large. For so no I reason. think he's a world champion. Dude, he's not popular. I'm saying, popular. Dude, no, I'm no, no, saying no, no, no. he's way, way more popular than Mahmoud he is. Marudov, Mahmoud Marudov is a random Uzbekistan fighter who literally loses every single fight in the UFC, basically. And he's got a million followers. Not to mention one guy, he made his debut the other day, another Uzbekistan fighter, uh, Nasu, Nasu, uh, Nasultan Ruziboyev. You don't even know his name, dude. And he's got like a mil followers on Instagram. You're like, what yeah, are these How many people know my name? No one. Yeah, I you know, know but but these guys have huge followings and they don't have bells. You're you're saying like you're saying like Russians get behind them because they're winning, dude. dude yeah, same thing with Australians. Win. You guys are fucking awesome when you got your guy fighting, and Russians are the same way, and Australians are the same way, and the Irish are the same fucking way. The only people that aren't like that are fucking Americans. <laughs> Fucked up. <laughs> There's a no one gives a fuck difference. what American fight. <laughs> There's a severe difference between 40k Jack Jenkins on Instagram and one mil Mahmoud Marudov. Who, who, dude? Who is Marudov? I love him, but who is he? You, you know, you know what I mean. He hasn't done. He hasn't done too much in the sport yet. Well, it, it comes down to marketing and and. and... I don't know, are all his followers organic? You could pay for a million followers. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But but like when you got you a country behind you, it's fucking different. You should do that, bro. What? Pay for followers? Either, either, either get, I get all of Boston to follow you or fake all the followers. Well, why would I fake all my followers? Like, I want my following to be organic and authentic. I don't want a bunch of fucking bots saying, hey, f uh, fucking send DM to fucking whatever. <clears throat> yeah, get the fuck out of here. Because I'll tell you what, that, like, uh, my following is important because it's it's who fucking fucks with me, who supports me. Now, that being said, it's like, 
that following, if I embellish those numbers, I'm I'm bullshitting all my sponsors and everyone in the exposure that I get. I don't want to pay for fucking followers, mainly because I want real people that want to buy my shit, that want to fucking support me. Not these fucking bots that they have just fucking commenting whatever. Hey, you know what I'm talking about, right? So it's like, when I go to a sponsor, I'm like, hey, this is the type of exposure I'm getting in this general area, like... Like, for me, that means something. To my sponsors, that means something. I don't want a random fucking computer-generated fucking follow, 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 follow. Because now I'm fucking lying to the people that support me. I get uh, a comment on my post and I go, oh, thank God, I've got a comment on my post. And I check it out and it says DM for paid promotion. Yeah. And I go... You fucking asshole. Okay. I could have I could have had a fucking actual comment, but instead I've got this fucking computer talking to me. So I saw on your Instagram Dr. Gleason. He was fucking jamming your fucking neck like yeah, a jackhammer. So what did he do to your neck? Dude, he, he realigned my whole body. He was a fucking man. So he messaged me on Instagram. He's like, Hey, I'm a chiropractor out here, like you need body work, let me know. So I dude, I went out to him. I went to his practice. It was um Gorilla Chiropractic. I hope I'm saying that right. And uh he was a fucking man, dude. He like gave me a tour of his whole place. He loves fighting so much. He he wanted to work on all the athletes out there. He got my body right, like, especially after spending like 30, 35 hours on a fucking planes back to back to back. Uh dude, my, my jaw was unaligned, my back was unaligned, my hamstrings and IT bands were all fucked up. Like, my body just was, like, super out of whack, and, and uh, he he fucking made me feel wicked good. Like, he readjusted my body and, and fucking took it to the next level. So, if you're in Perth, dude, you're doing yourself a disservice not seeing that guy. Would you go back? To Perth or to him? My, my guy, Gleason. I mean, if he was anywhere near me, yes. He, he, he was top-notch. Top notch. So I dude, think he, dude, he fucking has a podcast. I did his podcast. It was fucking awesome. Does he have a podcast? I didn't know. Yeah, Shout out his podcast. Yeah, it's uh the Blokes Lab. I did his podcast. It's uh something that he's doing in his office, and it's all about like positive masculinity. And uh, yeah, it was pretty fucking cool. He was a cool dude. I liked him a lot. Love to hear shit like that. So yeah. I think that you should go back to. Bellator, bro. On a real note, I think you should just knock these motherfuckers out, and yeah, then Bellator just got picked up by PFL. Bellator is no more. Really, dude? When did that happen? I don't know. I saw the. I saw. I don't know if it's fake news, but uh, I just saw That's Bellator fake, got picked dude. up by PFL. I don't know. <laughs> no you might want to Google that. Go to Twitter right now and go take a look. I don't have Twitter on this bitch, but I'll Bellator, uh, PFL. And then I'm going to click enter. Let's see what this bitch is saying. Scott Coker, Bellator PFL merger being discussed. Dude, dude, you're a fake news advocate. I'm not it's fake news, discussed. dude. I saw that today. I saw that it's earlier today. Discussed. It hasn't even started yet. All right, let's pretend like that shit ain't happening. I want to ask you about the Bellator rise and co-promotion. Would you fight on that shit? Dude, big mega 50,000 people screaming, Don! Shade us, right? While you're there uh, yeah. in Japan, dude. Would you go Short to answer, yes. Money talks, so let's go. Money talks. Short answer is yes. Fuck dude, the deals. That's something I really like. They don't fucking that? close you in a contract. They do one-fight deals. Oh, I know. I, I fought for Bellator twice. Uh, they are both one-fight deals. Oh, were they? Were they? I didn't know yeah. that. 
So, Don, what do you think about the bantamweight division? That is moving ridiculously fast. It's always moved fast because no one's gone more than five belts in the UFC. That was TJ Dillashaw. I believe Dominic uh, Cruz got seven, including three in the WEC, four in the UFC. So it's not mm-hmm. complete. It doesn't completely count. So it's so hard to stay on top in that division. You got Marab, you got Umar, you got... Um, Dude, Piotr was there for two seconds, now he's gone. What's the skill level? Like, what do you have to do to stay on top in Bantamweight? Is it impossible? Uh, I don't know if it's impossible. I just feel like when it comes to 35, 45, 55, those are the deepest talent pools in the world. And mainly because, like, as as you stem away from everyone's, like, average body weight, like, you thin out in competition, so... You get much more skilled people at 125, but less power. 35, you still have so much power, and and the guys are walking around at 160, 170 uh, in that range. And same with uh, 45, 55, you know? So, like, you got a lot of guys between 155 pounds walking in 190 that, that compete in those three weight classes, so... I'm talking natural walking weight. So, the talent pool is so deep, and it's like, we're going to be seeing, like... August is going to be huge for 135. Um, just like to start things off, you got Sandhagen Font. Font's my guy from up here in New England. Fucking, he's taking a huge risk taking this. There could be title implications on this. Like he, he, I think was supposed to fight Song Yadong in Boston, who's another fucking stud. Yadong pulled out. He's fighting Sandhagen because Sandhagen's opponent pulled out. Who, who is Sandhagen supposed to fight? I can't Uma, remember. It doesn't matter. Talking about this yep. for like forever, and dude, I can't believe Uma fucking pulled out. It is what it is, man. People get hurt all the time. So, Font's taking a huge risk coming, coming, you know, fast tracking his camp, and then what we're gonna see. So that's gonna be what August fifth. Then you got fights uh, August twelfth, and then, then like the whole top of the divisions fighting in UFC Boston. So you got Sterling. Um, O'Malley, you got fucking Song Yudong was supposed to fight Font. That fight scratched because Font's on the August 5th card in Tennessee. But, um, uh, you got fucking Marab up there. They you should, got, they, he, they, should, he, they should put Song Yudong versus Adrian Yanez. I think they should do Yanez Song. Uh, maybe, maybe. I think that's a step backwards for Song Yudong. I think he's earned a big fight. But then you got Cody Garbrandt and, uh, Who's Cody supposed to fight? Batista. Batista. Four, yeah. four wins. Based, yeah, and based. dude, that's that's a huge fight. But, like, there's just so many guys and, and so many guys with, like, title implications there. Like, who the fuck knows how the cards are going to unfold? <laughs> the last time I spoke to you, uh, you bought a whole bunch of paintings. I love your paintings. Uh, did did you um, buy any more? No, no, no. I don't have, <laughs> I don't have money right now. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm re- full time fighter. I don't have money. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, vanilla all day. Unless there's cheesecake, I love cheesecake ice cream. Like, but like if we're talking Ben and Jerry's caramel core, but like straight up OG vanilla ice cream, like some some like not that like vanilla bean shit, like just like some really smooth uh, vanilla. But I do love caramel, so maybe a little caramel drizzle. But if cheesecake's an option, you go to fucking Cold Stone, they chop that shit up, dude. I want cheesecake with cheesecake bites all day. Go to Dairy Queen, cheesecake, cheesecake blizzard all day. For ice cream, I would go cookies and cream. But 
Everybody Cookies and cream is not bad. Not bad. Everybody, everybody knows That's... me in the town for loving cheesecake. I fuck with cheesecake. Dude, I fuck with cheesecake. You shouldn't me? I think I looked I chubby knew, my last you... fight, dude. I fucking fucking with too much cheesecake. <laughs> New York baked... Uh, I can't say that word. New York baked cheesecake. Dude, that shit is a fire, man. Fire. I don't mm-hmm. like it when it's runny. Like it when it's like hard and you have to fucking put your spoon through that bitch. Yeah, cheese, I fucking love cheesecake, dude. <laughs> so Tom Aspinall just had a fucking crazy yeah. performance yeah. at the March and Tigera, and you got Sergey Pavlovich, Aspinall versus Pavlovich for the vacant heavyweight belt next year. Um, is the fight Why would it to be make vacant? Why would it be vacant? John Jones ain't going away anytime soon. John Jones will retire after devastating no English fireman, Stipe Miocic. Okay, let me tell you a little something about John Jones. John Jones is going to do John Jones. John Jones don't give a fuck. He's going to do what the fuck he wants. So when he wants to retire, he'll retire. Then he'll unretire, go beat everyone up, and then fucking retire again. He's going to get bored retired and need to fucking take a fight so he doesn't go to jail for murder. Come on. Pavlovich versus Aspinall, dude, I get excited over particular fights, and then I get obsessed with that fight. It doesn't matter what the fuck the fight is, it doesn't matter what card it is, or what uh, prelim main event it is, I don't care. Like, for example, uh, when Bryce Mitchell fought Tapuria, I was, dude, that was my main event for for a couple months. When it got Mm -hmm. booked, I was freaking out about that one. Gilbert, Hamza Chemaev, that was the fight that I was like, yeah, I want to watch that fight. Now, dude, the next one is probably going to be Aspinall Pavlovich. You've got got, Pavlovich. I got Aspinall, but I don't see Aspinall being Jones. Dude, what if Pavlovich gets in there and just fucking crack someone? Then he cracks him one, and fucking, I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. I gotta pee, dude. You gotta hold on. I gotta pee. Go, go, go. Don, how do you cook your steak? Oh, fucking rare, dude. I eat that shit raw. Are you kidding me? Fucking salt, pepper, throw it on the grill, little butter, little rosemary, little fucking love, and boom, done. Where have you traveled to in your life? Oh, dude, I've been all over the world. So first and foremost, like, the last cool place I went was Australia been to vegas a few times um out of the country uh out of the u.s i've been to brazil i lived in the uk for a year when i was a kid i've been all over europe when i was in the uk i lived in italy for a summer so uh like whether it be paris or amsterdam like i've been all over all over the world um i've yet to be to been to asia or russia but uh who knows you never know what do you think about Anunnaki giants? Do you think that um, giant people existed back in the day, like to help build the pyramids, or do you think that's bullshit? I have no fucking idea. I do believe in dinosaurs, aliens, and weird shit, so I'm not against it. I, I just am not educated enough in fucking Anunnaki giants. <laughs> Last time we spoke, you said Bo Nickel was going to fuck up Hamza yeah. Chamaev. I started screaming at you telling is- you were a yeah. fraud, you're a loser. I watched the Val Woodburn fight. I go, hold on. Uh, Bo just hit him with a flush two, and that was like a lightweight speed, and he's at middleweight, and he's bigger than all these other middleweights. So he's moving like the flash. Then I see him with a three. I see him with another two, an uppercut, one punch, ground a pound. He had a one punch, ground a pound, and the ref pulled him off and saved Val Woodburn. And I saw a 38-second finish, 
against an undefeated fighter. And I thought, Don Shanus in my ear, John, you don't know how good he is. You don't know how good he is. Dude, I know how good he is now. He He's looks like a champion contender, dude. Holy dude, shit. I'll be honest. I think he's the best guy right now that's not champion in all divisions. I think he will be the next champ. Dude, if Charles Oliveira is there. Dude, don't even go down this Charles hole. We're not doing this again. We're not doing Charles again. I thought you just said, hold on. Hold on. I thought, I thought you just said he's the best fighter in any weight class that's not the champion. Yeah. Charles was a former champion. Okay. <laughs> okay, all right, that makes sense. This was round two with Don Shanus. That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much to the fans at home. Don, is there any final remarks or comments that you want to make before we wrap up the podcast? Yeah, you're going to owe me fucking cheesecake, motherfucker. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Yo, I, want, I want a $15 Venmo for fucking cheesecake when Dustin beats Justin. <laughs> Follow Don on Instagram, link in the description. Don owes me fucking cheesecake in three hours. Subscribe oh, to Inky Combat. Dude, I'm going to DM you for your fucking Venmo. I'm going to drop mine. You can fucking Venmo me now.